Thank you for tuning in to the Multi Channel Seller Podcast. I am your host, Joshua Esters, and I'm back again with another episode. As I mentioned in the last episode, we're going to be rolling out some new changes. The first change was the change of the name of the podcast. So you probably see the new logo. And we're also going to be, or I'm also going to be rolling out new changes as time goes on. And those new changes will be revealed as I do them. So you'll be updated on that as I roll out the new changes. Let's get straight into this episode. Okay. So this episode, I want to talk about something that I didn't, I didn't know about. I wasn't aware of some of these concepts that I'm going to talk about today. I wasn't aware of some of these concepts a long time ago, rather. Even when I knew I wanted to be an entrepreneur, it was a, uh, it was an unlearning process. I had to unlearn a lot of things and had to start learning new things, you know, in the world of entrepreneurship is just a totally different world than the nine to five world or the, uh, or as Robert Kiyosaki says in one of my favorite books of his, the cash flow quadrant, the E, the, uh, e quadrant. So the business quadrant or the self-employed quadrant is totally different from the E quadrant. And there's some major differences between the, the, the types of personalities, the types of things uh, they, they do, the words they use, all these differences, right? So as I'm moving from, you know, employee mindset, you know, towards self-employed and business, business owner mindset, it was a process. And there's just a lot of concepts that, you know, that you're going to be introduced to as you're making that journey. Um, so let's get into it. Let's get into it. I now understand that every entrepreneur needs a exit plan or a exit strategy. This may be tough. This may be tough for a lot of us. Um, and it, it depends on your, your age too, right? So I started my entrepreneurial journey very young. So there's no way I'm thinking of an exit plan. I don't even, I didn't even know what that was. And it didn't even, you know, it didn't even matter. <laughs> you know, my whole concern was um, just trying as many business opportunities I possibly could. Just trying to think of something and then execute on it. You know, um, there were times where I had a business plan for a business and there were other times where I did not. Um, in, in, in neither one of those situations, I seriously thought of an exit plan. See, I was first introduced to this idea of an exit strategy when I was, you know, when I was, you can say studying, studying to be a real estate investor. Uh, that was one of the, um, business opportunities that I really wanted to get into was become an act active real estate investor, you know, somehow buying and flipping houses or, or uh, renting houses and, or something like that, you know, just in that world. And, you know, one of the concepts that, that I learned during that journey of following that, uh, that, that route was, you know, having multiple exit strategies, 
right? So you you have the you know you, you know if you don't know what I'm talking about, it's fine. Um, we're gonna move on in a second. But some of you guys do, um, like if you bought a house, for example, you know, what are the different exit strategies you can have? So before you purchase a property, you gotta know your exit strategies before you purchase a property. You gotta know if you're gonna do a cash out refinance, are you going to uh, fix and flip to 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 to, to sell? Um, to, to, to a retail buyer. So you got to have a few different exit strategies just in case things don't go as planned, right? So after, after 2008 hit, a lot of people bought real estate, but the smart ones bought real estate um, in, in a way where they may not be able to sell it after they bought it. They fixed it up and started renting it, you know, but they, but they bought it in a certain way where they could rent it and it made sense still to them. Now, it wasn't a big payday. They couldn't sell it, but they were able to get some cash flow still from renting the property and then waiting for the market to come back to get their equity and be able to sell it, right? Or you could do something like a cash out refinance. You know, you, you buy something, you buy it low, and then you, you, uh, you, you fix it up, build the equity up, borrow the money. To uh, borrow the money to pay yourself back and then rent out the property, right? So it's all these different things that I learned about as um, as a real estate investor in terms of having an exit strategy before you go into the property, before you even purchase the property. So that's where I first got the idea, but I didn't really make the connection between that and every other business opportunity. You know, I was just really uh, z- uh, zeroed in on real estate. So <clears throat> that's where I first heard this idea. But now that I, I, I've, I've done a few things more than, than um, you know, starting a real estate career, which, which didn't, it didn't pick up or anything like that, but I did do a few things there. Um, then I eventually, landed, I eventually landed where I am now in the e-commerce industry, if you will. And <clears throat> even when I first started doing that, I didn't really have a exit plan. It was just go, 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 go. Okay, here's the opportunity. I am a, I am a, um, a highly motivated and amb- ambitious individual, and I just want to go. You know, whatever I got to do to get started, I want to get started. Okay, and then I did that. Right. So you you can you can do that. You can you can be that way. You know, for. Who knows for how long, but also depends on your age. It depends on, you know, what your, your, your familiar, your, your, your family status is, you know, it depends on, you know, um, on, on a lot of different factors, you know, um, that will determine how long you can live that way, how long you can entrepreneur that way, not live that way, but entrepreneur that way. Okay. Where you're just constantly just going, 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 going at some point, you know, uh, the beauty of that strategy is you 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 keep going until you find something that sticks. So you're just throwing spaghetti at the wall, and you know you, eventually something will stick. For me, something stuck, right? So um, um, I stuck with e-commerce, selling on multiple platforms. I stuck with that because it it worked. It worked, and I wanted to continue to do what works. And then I had to pivot a few times within, within what I was doing. Um, but now I'm at a point where it's like, Hmm, I need some type of exit plan. Okay. So when I thought about this, 
I thought of, you know, retirement, right? Right. So how do how do entrepreneurs retire? So I thought of this idea, and I and I said this to someone too when I was ta- I was talking to someone about entrepreneurship. They wanted to learn a little bit more, and <clears throat> it may it may have came off too strong for that person. That person is a little a little green, you know, a little green about entrepreneurship. And I was saying, you know, you're going to work and work until you're dead. Okay. Work until you're dead, but plan to retire. Right. See, I don't necessarily see a life where I just stop working. I used to, I used to very early on. It's like, yeah, you know, I want to retire young. I want to retire. I want to retire young. I want to retire, retire. I want to retire by 32, retire by 35. I want to retire by 30. Right. And, um, you know, that's cool. You know, that's, that, that's cool. And honestly, I believe that a person could really, uh, retire in 10 years from doing a business. You know, if you're doing the, you know, not any old business, but if you're doing a business that's working for you, you can, you can plan, you can figure out how to retire in 10 years. I believe that. Okay. Um, now that doesn't mean it's going to happen for everybody. It may be 12 years, maybe 13 years, you know, but it's not going to take 30 years to retire. You know, like we've been kind of conditioned through the, through the, you know, the, the corporate cycle, um, you know, the corporate America cycle. That was the thing at one point, you know, we're 30 years, you know, or 40 years, you work 30 years for a company or 40 years, you get to retire. It doesn't take that long. We live in a, in a information age, if you will. Um, uh, uh, it, it may be something else now, but at one point we were in the information age <laughs> and I believe we still are, but I'm sure there's other people going to say it's other things. But, um, but in this information age, uh, you don't need to do that. You don't need to do that. You can you can retire in 10 years. It's very difficult to do. You really have to focus. But you can, if you get a business and you really give it your all and all, you know, so on and so forth, I believe it can be done. Not everybody's going to do it, but I believe it can be done. Okay? So, so work until you're dead, but plan to retire. Now, you want to plan to retire, right? You want to plan to retire because guess what? Things happen, you know? Shit happens. Let's 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 keep it. Let's keep it a hundred. Okay. Things happen. All right. So so you know it may be you know a health condition. It may be it may be it may be it maybe may you don't you it may be you change your mind about working until you're dead. You don't want to work anymore, which is fine. Nothing wrong with that. You know, if you have the means to stop working, that's fine. But when you plan to retire, you have the option to stop working. See, it's all about options, leverage and options, right? It's all about that, okay? So if you're planning to retire, you are going to have the option to, you're going to get to a point where you have the option to retire because you planned for it. So it it has helped me to think uh, in in simple terms, okay? I, I'm able to grasp these concepts by thinking simply. All right. So how I how I think about it is there's only a few routes that you can go down. You know, I I, I narrow I narrow the routes that I can go down into three different routes in terms of 
planning to retire. Okay. So, um, there's, there's three different situations. So I can either sell my business. Okay. Build a business, sell my business and buy a cash flowing investment or investments. And that investment is going to be either active or passive. You know, I'm going at that point, I'm going to make a choice. It depends on where I am in my life. If I feel like I can, you know, be active in the investment, I'll do it. That's like, that's, for example, a lot of people, um, here's an example. When I was, uh, I don't remember how old I was exactly, but I went to a entrepreneurship workshop. I had to be like late teens. There was a kid in there. He was probably about 14, you know, and he, he owned some apartment buildings. But what he did was he built some type of software and he sold it. He sold his software company or his software rather. And he sold it. And he bought real estate. He dropped out of school too. Didn't need to go to school. What you need to go to school for? He had enough passive income where he can live off of it. He's 14 years old, whatever with school. But that's what I mean though. That's, that's exactly what I'm talking about. Now he doesn't manage the properties himself. He's 14 years old. He's not managing it himself. Or he wasn't, rather. But so he, it was, I would probably say it was semi-passive. He probably, you know, had some, he, I'm probably sure he, I'm sure he may be involved in some kind of way with his investments. But, you know, he had a property manager in place to kind of help him manage, manage the buildings. So that's an example. That's an example. Now, he retired himself at 14. You know, which was pretty cool. He's about maybe like maybe five, maybe four or five years younger than me. So I, I probably, I may have been 18, 19. I don't know. Uh, you, you know what? Matter of fact, now I'm thinking about it. Yeah, I may have been like 20. There was a workshop that I went to while I was in college. It was a um, small business. It was at the Small Business Development Center, SBDC in, 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 in Los Angeles. Yeah, I was in college when I, when I went to that workshop. Yeah, this guy was like, you know, Eight, eight, eight years, what, six to eight years younger than me. So I thought, I thought that was pretty cool. So that's an example of selling your business and buying cash flowing, uh, cash flowing investments. So you're in, in they're either going to be passive or not passive. You know, a pa- an example of passive would be, let's say if um, you sold your, you sold your business for, I don't know. Um, let's just use simple numbers. Let's say you sold your business for, a million dollars. You sold your you sold your business for a million dollars, and then um, you bought you bought you bought dividends. You bought dividend paying stocks, and the stocks were paying four percent. For example, that's passive. Okay, four percent. Now you're making forty thousand a year. You know, with your investment, so it is very passive. You don't have to do anything. Right. Uh, But, you know, you have to do anything besides, you know, keep track of the companies that you're. That that are paying you four percent, you know, making sure they don't go out of business and all this kind of stuff. Right. Not not that you can make sure, but you're just keeping an eye on it. Right. Making sure 
you know, they're still in good standing. You don't need, you don't need to move your money from one dividend paying stock to another and so on and so forth. So nothing's ever completely passive. So don't take that literally when I say passive. Okay. So that's one route you can go into. The other route you can do this, the, the, the second route is you can invest, you can invest right now while you're in business, you can invest in cash flowing investments while you're running your business. You know, um, that, that avenue seems like something for me that I'm, that, that I'm, that I'm pursuing. Okay. So I'm building up my savings so I can buy assets cash flowing investment assets. Um, now these cash flowing investment assets could be active or passive. All right. So I'm interested personally, me personally, I'm interested in dividend paying stocks and I'm also interested in self storage real estate or self storage businesses. Rather I'm interested in those. Okay. They both could be passive well, the dividend paying stocks are passive. The self-storage stuff, it could be passive. Okay. It could be if I set it up that way, but, um, you know, you can still be running your business and have a, an, another active investment that you're involved in. You could do that still, you know, you just, you just have to make sure you're, you're very efficient with your time and that it doesn't take away from your business. See, one of the traps with investments, <clears throat> especially active investments is, Sometimes we get involved with uh, a lot. A lot of us learned this, you know, with crypto, inc including myself. Over the past couple of years, it's like, yeah, you, you can you know, invest in these things, but it takes it takes up so much of your time. It takes away from your business, and I experienced that. I was like, well, you know, yeah, I mean, yeah, sure, I want to, you know, you know, I want to back, you know, at that time it was hedge against inflation, right, and you know. Um, and, and all this other stuff, which I'm not going to get into right now, but, um, yeah, sure. That was cool. I was, you know, I was very involved with that, but it started, you know, eating up my time and then my business started failing. Okay. That's not, it's not, it's not, that was not a good situation. So you gotta be very careful and you gotta be very experienced, um, to be able to have an active investment as well as running a, a, a separate business. Okay. Um, and then the, the, the third avenue, is uh, you know a combination of both so you can invest you can invest while you're running your business and then you know you can still sell your business at the end and still buy a buy a cash flowing asset so you don't have to do one or the other you can just literally do both all right you can do both now here's the thing <clears throat> my business right now me personally i don't um i don't it's i can't really i can't sell my business so that's why i'm going down the the route of let me invest while I'm running my business. It's not a sellable business right now. Um, it may, you know, it may not ever be, it's, but it's not, it's not a sellable bit. Like if I sold my business right now, okay, I did close to half a million in sales last year. Okay. Close to half a million in sales. I mean, I don't know, you know, I don't know if I, what it would be if I put the business on the market, you know, because there's so much risk for a buyer to come in and, and um, just from the outside looking, like I know, like I, I, me personally, I know if, if someone bought my business, they'll make money. I know that. But for them, they don't know that. 
<laughs> you, know, you know what I mean? And because they don't know that, and because the risk is kind of high from their perspective, they're going to lowball me. You know, I probably, you know, probably lowball me like $50,000, you know, maybe a hundred grand. They might, they might give me a hundred grand, but I think, you know, they'll probably, uh, my, my, if I sold my business, it'll probably sell for about anywhere from 50 to a hundred thousand dollars. Does it matter? It doesn't matter because that's not enough money for me to do anything. Like the, the, the money that I'm going to be making year after year is far greater than a hundred thousand dollars that I would get from a buyer. Like there's, I can't do anything with a hundred grand. Can't do anything with that. All right. So, um, <clears throat> so what is, so what is, or, or why, why choose the multi-channel strategy? Okay. Why choose it? So what is the multi-channel strategy? Simply put, you know, let's, let's simply put it. It is when you're selling in, in our case, you know, we're doing e-commerce when you're selling on multiple platforms, right? So you're not an Amazon seller, right? You sell, you also sell on eBay, you know, you also sell on Facebook or you also sell somewhere else, you know, you also sell on Etsy, you know, you're selling on platforms. Okay. That is the multi-channel strategy that I am implementing. All right. Now, if you're, you know, a big box retailer, the multi-channel strategy is something totally different. You know, for a lot of those people who are not even selling their products online, they're selling their products through brick and mortar. Okay. So they're, they're using a multi-channel strategy that way or a combination of brick and mortar and also online. So it's simply put, it's when you're selling products through multiple channels simultaneously. All right. Now let's talk about, let's talk about some pros and cons. I want to talk about some arguments against the strategy and also a few arguments for the strategy. Okay. So let's start with arguments against it. You know, you know, I, I, um, I think a lot about this Warren Buffett quote. I think a lot about this quote. Um, and Warren Buffett has a lot of great content. Him and uh, Charlie Munger. Um, I try to tune in as much as possible, you know, on YouTube or wherever else. Um, he says... He says this he says this about diversity. Now I'm not going to get the quote exactly right. He said diversity and that's what the multi-channel strategy um can also be considered as. It's it's a you're diversifying your income, diversifying your exposure, you're diversifying. And the whole point of diversifying is to um, mitigate risk. That's the idea to mitigate risk. So if one platform isn't doing well or one platform shuts, shuts you out, you have other platforms to rely on. Okay. So let's get back to the uh, Warren Buffett quote. He said this, he says this about diversity. He said diverse, uh, diversification, diversification is, is for people who don't know what they're doing. But if you know what you're doing, in, 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 in diversification makes sense for those people. 
But if you know what you're doing, diversity is not a uh, diversification is not a good idea. If you know what you're doing. So you have like um, you have like a, a lot of uh, real estate moguls, right? Or stock people, people who just, you know, buy and sell stock. That's all they do. Okay. One person, some people only do real estate. Other people only do stocks. Okay. Now that is not bad. If you are a expert in what you're doing, but if you don't know what you're doing, diversification makes sense. Now, I th- I think a lot of people see this as a slight, like he's you know, um, you know, kind of talking mess about diversification and people who do it, but that's not the case. Okay, it's not the case. All he's saying is, if you don't know what you're doing, diversification is for you. Okay, that's all he's saying. But if you know what you're doing, it doesn't make sense to diversify. Now, here's, here's how I think about this. Here's how I translate this into what I do, okay, into the multi-channel strategy. There's truth into what he's saying. I don't know what I'm doing, or at least when I started, I didn't know what I was doing. Now, I, did, I, I don't come from a product-based business background. I don't come from that. I don't come from I don't come from an e-commerce background. I don't come from anything related to products, selling products to customers. Um physical products rather. You know, I I've, I've sold other products. I don't come from that, okay? So I don't know I don't know with my own resources myself I don't know what is going to sell to an end buyer. I don't know. And if I was going to pursue the idea of single-handedly trying to come up with a product to see if there's a market for it, I am going to fail miserably. I'm going to go bankrupt before I even start. Okay? I'm going to go bankrupt before I even start. I don't know how to do that. But that's the beauty of what I do. The beauty is I don't have to know. I don't have to know. I can, I can, I can cast a wide net into a general area. And I can find out through resources from other people and also, for example, on other, I could do research on, you know, products that are already selling, you know, using data that that's already existing from eBay, from Poshmark, from, from Etsy. I can use data from these places and I can say, hmm, customers are buying things like this. Okay, let me go to the drawing board. Let me, you know, let me um, build a relationship with a wholesaler, let me build a relationship with a distributor, let me build a relationship with a, with, a, with a manufacturer, let me build a relationship to bring a similar product to the market. Or I can say, okay, these products are selling. 
there's data that these products sell, certain whatever, whatever those products are, let me contact that manufacturer, let me contact that distributor, let me contact that wholesaler and see if I can add value to becoming a authorized seller of said products. Why? Because I don't know what I'm doing. I don't know what I'm doing. I can't do what they're doing. They know what they're doing. That's why I'm contacting them. I can just become a distributor. I know how to be a distributor. And that's very simple. I buy it and then I sell it. Okay. Now, it's not always that simple. Sometimes there's things you, there's certain skills and uh, um, uh, there's certain skills that may be beneficial um, to a, a wholesale relationship or to a distributor relationship or to a manufacturing relationship. You know, sometimes you can break could bring things to the table besides money, um, you'll be you'll be in a better position if you do. So if you understand marketing, for example, you don't have to understand how to build products. Okay, you just use your marketing skills and connect it with products that are already selling. So yeah, there's truth to that, and there's nothing wrong with that. Okay, so so that is um, a, a a con, a, you know, an argument against it. You know, we're kind of throwing out, the, throwing out these these wide nets and hoping something's hoping something's you know gets caught. Now, for some people, that may be a negative thing. That's not a negative thing for me. Okay, it's just not. Another um, another argument against the multi-channel strategy is it's too much work. You got to spread yourself thin if you're trying to sell on all these platforms. And um, here's what I would say to that. I would say um, it could that that could be true. It could be true. You can't because you can't sell on every single platform. There's there's a lot of platforms. You can't sell on every single one. You can't pick two. Become efficient with those two. Get a third one. Become efficient with the third one with the two. Now, now if you're if you're uh, if you're adding a platform and your other two are kind of being negatively affected because of the time you're spending on the third platform, you you may not be in a winning position. But a lot of times that's not the case. It's just it's not difficult to you know to get your products, for example, on one platform and then get them on another. It's not difficult to fulfill orders from one platform to another. It's not difficult to do that stuff. But you want to um, what I've done is just I just become more. Just become more efficient at it, okay? Become more efficient. Make sure you have your shipping supplies. Make sure you have your um, your dimensions and weights already pre-filled, you know, and, and certain products. You know, make sure, you know, you know where you store your products, they're very, you know, they're in an efficient manner. And when you're fulfilling, if, if you are fulfilling orders yourself, like I fulfill my orders right now. So, you know, I have a whole system. You know, to make things easy for me because things were very difficult at the beginning. Th things were very difficult. You know, I, you know, early on, you know, it just with anything, you know, you, you, you kind of do silly things when you're when you're doing something new early on. And, it, and they don't make later on, you realize they don't make sense, but they made kind of sense at the time. You know, like, for example, I used to be um, when I was selling on Poshmark. Poshmark is one of my best, my, my favorite, not my best but my favorite platforms it's so easy to sell on for me i've been selling on poshmark for quite a bit of time but i got good at it and now it's like i don't i do it without thinking 
But anyways, um, I used to, um, because with Poshmark, as of now, you know, it could be, it could change depending on when you listen to this. You can, you know, as long as you're selling under five pounds, um, you don't have to do anything. You don't have to do anything else. Like you don't have to input any dimensions for packaging. You don't have to input any weight, you know, but if it's over five pounds, you know, there's a hope there's a process for that after, um, you know, a few buttons you got to click on after that. But as long as it's under five pounds, which is most of the things um, that I was selling at the time. And now it's all the things that I sell is under five pounds. Um, I used, what I used to do was I used to uh, collect boxes. I used to collect boxes. And, you know, I get, I get a box from Amazon. Say if I bought something from Amazon, something from my personal life, you know, I'll keep the box. Or, you know, if I see boxes out and about, I'll, you know, and they're not dirty and filthy, I'll, I'll grab them and, and put them in my garage. So I had a, I had like a, my, a big part of my garage was full of boxes for the, and I'll, you know, I would use that for my sales on Poshmark, you know. So not only that, I was wasting space. I was wasting time because I'm like, okay, well, some boxes were too big or too small. And so I'm, I'm going through all, you know, I'm going through all these different boxes trying to figure out what's the right size and all this kind of stuff. And then after a while, I, and, and I, I didn't know much about shipping and shipping supplies. I was brand new. You know, I was really green to selling, you know, selling off of Amazon because I started off as an Amazon seller. And, you know, I was doing FBA, so I, I never touched a box, you know, except for what if, I, if I'm, you know, sending to the fulfillment centers or, you know, sending to the warehouses. Um, so I was very green to shipping. So I, I, I knew nothing about, you know, shipping supplies. And then after a while, um, you know, I, I, just, I just happened to be watching a YouTube uh, video of this, of this guy who sold on eBay and he had these uh, shipping supplies. And, um, I was like, man, I can probably use something like that. And I looked it up, you know, and it's, it's free. I didn't, I didn't realize you can get free shipping supplies from USPS. Um, so I ordered it and that solved all my problems. I wasn't using any tape to tape any boxes. I wasn't using any boxes. I don't need to use any boxes. I I now have more store uh, space in my garage, (laughs) you know, and it takes me, uh, it takes me a quarter of the time, if not less, um, than the time I was spending uh, back then, which was a very long time, just to ship a couple of orders, you know. So that's an example of me get, becoming more efficient. So yes, it's t- it, at, at that time, I was spreading myself thin. I couldn't add another platform because I was like, you know, struggling <laughs> with trying to, you know, um, do Poshmark sales. Um, for fulfill part, fulfill my Poshmark orders, but you know, so so that's that's the situation with that. So that's those are just two two arguments against it. Okay, I'm gonna I'm gonna do two arguments against it, and then to, and then two arguments for it. So two arguments for implementing implementing the multi-channel strategy. Okay, you're gonna increase your sales. It's just gonna happen. It, it, it's 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 guaranteed to happen. Okay. Now I can't guarantee how much sales it will increase. It will your sales will increase by, but your sales are going to increase. It's just that simple because you have more eyeballs. You have more eyeballs if you're selling on multiple platforms. What you have to realize is, and I didn't understand this early on. I was very skeptical 
about the multi-channel strategy. Very skeptical. It took me probably about a year and a half, almost two years to fully accept that this was a real thing because I couldn't believe that I can be doing this. I couldn't believe it. Even though while I was doing it, I couldn't believe that, that I can sell the same products on multiple platforms because I was thinking, I was thinking how a lot of people are thinking probably right now, listen to this. Well, they'll say, um, well, wouldn't, you know, wouldn't the customers just go over to let's, for, let's say for example, um, Amazon and eBay, right? So me, okay, let me, let me get a little more context here. I couldn't believe that I can sell my products on eBay for higher prices than those products would sell on Amazon. That's what I was in disbelief of. I couldn't believe it. It took me two years to finally accept it. Okay. I said, well, well, why am I selling these products? Like, why aren't the Amazon sellers just going over to eBay? Or excuse me, why aren't the eBay, eBay sellers just going over to Amazon? Okay. Now, there's a multitude of reasons, but I would just say this, this is one reason. Okay. What I learned, what I realized was people who, there are many people who do not shop. They don't shop, you know, like I, I don't shop all the time either. I, I, a lot of times I just buy because I don't feel like shopping, but when I, but when I am shopping around, um, I'm more likely to shop around than the average person, you know, because we you know we're entrepreneurs. We tend, we, we're, we tend to be a little bit more careful with how we spend our money, just a little bit, not all the time, just a little bit, you know, than the average person. So I used to think, I, I used to think like, well, why aren't people, why wouldn't people just do what I do, which is shop around, you know? But that's not how it works, you know? Like, I realized that people who buy on eBay, they buy on eBay. People who buy on Amazon don't buy on eBay. People who buy on eBay don't buy on Amazon. There's a large amount of people who, who operate that way. People, there are a lot of people who just buy on the platforms that they're on, okay? They're on eBay for a reason, and they're not on Amazon for a reason. Now, that is not to say that you don't have people who shop on both eBay and Amazon. I shop on eBay and Amazon. Okay? That's not to say that. But I make enough money. There's enough people who buy my products, who buy my products at a higher price than on Amazon, where it didn't matter. It didn't matter to those few, you know, those few people who shopped around and, and they said, oh, you know, they'll send me a message like, oh, this product is X on Amazon. Okay, sure. I, I, I used to sell, I used to sell a product for, um, a product used to sell for $20 on Amazon. This product was selling for $20 at one point. I was selling it for $45. And I was selling about four or five of them a day at one point. Not, not on Amazon. I wasn't selling on Amazon. Okay. The product was on Amazon, but I was I had a wholesale relationship with this with this manufacturer and I just sold it elsewhere. And I was getting two and a, now at twenty dollars, there's no money in that. There was there was no money because you know he had he had people competing and you know competing for the buy box for those people who know about that. Competing for the buy box, so they're they're doing a race to the bottom, cutting each other by a penny and all that kind of crap right but nope not me i list my price put it up sales 
All right. So it took me two years to realize that this is a real thing. Like, okay, I can, this is something that's not, this is not a fluke. This is not a, a trend, you know? And that's when I really got conviction, it, but it took two years. It took about two years for me to really like get that conviction that what I was doing is a real thing. Um, the second uh, argument for the social, uh, excuse me, the multi-channel strategy is um, building social proof. All right. So you're building social proof. Now, here's the thing. You got people who are on multiple platforms and they like to see a presence. They like to see your presence in other places. Okay. Now, your prices may be a little bit different here and there, but they don't really care about that unless it's like a big discrepancy. They don't really care about that. They just want to know you're a real company. And then they will buy your products on the platform that they that's most convenient for them. So you're building social proof, okay? You're building up reviews and all that kind of stuff at the same time, opposed to being on one platform and then a year years later trying to start on another platform. And you're you're on that platform, you're brand new, like you have no reviews, you have no you know no one sends you comments, you, you have you're you're not in the algorithm in the platform, all that kind of stuff. So so you can do all of that at the same time. <laughs> And what's going to happen is your sales are going to increase on both platforms because now you're getting more seasoned on the platform. They know you're a trusted, you're a trusted seller. They know you're an honest seller because you do business there and you're doing good over there. So now you're going to be favored by the algorithms and you're going to get more sales and so on and so forth. So, so you're building social proof by being more than one place at the same time. Okay. So those are, those are my arguments for it. And now, you know, I am, I'm obviously advocating that people do this, you know, you know, but for those who, um, some people may have a different situation, you know, where where the multi-channel strategy does not work for them. And, um, I can't think of one right now, but there's probably one or two. I'm a little biased right now, you know, so there's probably one or two situations and there's nothing wrong with it. Nothing wrong with it at all. All I am saying is there's another way. If you're if you're doing a way right now and you're interested in doing something more, I'm just saying there's there's more than one way that you're doing it right now if you're not doing this strategy. That's all. Okay. So so um <clears throat> so the the other part of this this uh this 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 topic is okay. So how do we get to financial independence or financial freedom? We're going to, we're going to talk about both of those, but first let's take a quick little break and be back very shortly. So what is financial freedom versus financial independence? So financial freedom, let's talk about that. A lot of people talk about this. If you Google this stuff, I mean, there's going to be tons of results. If you put this stuff in in, in, in YouTube, there's going to be tons of videos. And I think it's just, I, I think, I think there's just too much compete, competing ideas about financial independence and financial freedom and financial whatever. Okay. But I try 
to think of things simply. I try to define things for myself and then keep it that way. Okay. And then, you know, expand it. If I'm, if I'm, you know, the wiser I get, if I'm missing something in my definitions, you know, expand on my definitions, but give, give these words definitions. It's very important. Financial freedom. The way I think about it is it's freedom from my financials. I am free from finances. So that means I can buy whatever I want. Not I obviously can buy whatever I need, but I can buy whatever I want. So here here's my definition of financial freedom. Okay? My definition is financial freedom. Being able to pay for what I need and want without keyword without negotiating with my future self that is financial freedom to me i am free from my financials my finances i don't think about it i don't have to when i'm spending money i obviously when you're financially free it's a given that you know it's 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 obvious that you can pay for what you need but I also can pay for what I want. That includes for myself or others without negotiating with my future self. That means I can buy whatever I want without going into debt. Now, the reason why I like this definition is because the definition can stay the same, but you have to, but you're going to have to shift some things. Okay. The definition stays the same, but the people who are financially free are going to be widely different. If, if I'm a person, let's say, let's say I want to go, I want to buy a house. You know what? I wake up in the morning and say, forget it. I want to buy a house. I want to buy a house right now. Now, if I have to borrow money, I am not financially free. Because if I have to borrow money, I'm negotiating with my future self. I'm saying future self. You're going to work to pay off this thing I am buying today. So future self, you need to be in good shape and good health and work hard so you can pay off the decisions that I'm making today. Nah, that's not financial freedom. Okay. Now, if I want to buy a house just randomly and, you know, I want to buy a house and it's $300,000 in it. And I can't pay cash for it. I'm not financially free. That's something I want. Now, if I'm a person who does not want to buy a house, that same person, that 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 same person who is, is you know, same situation, they're financially free just because they don't want to do it. That person who doesn't want to buy a house, let's say they want to buy a BMW and they can. And they can buy, they can, they can buy it with all cash. That person's financially free opposed to the person who just wants to wake up and buy a house. They may have the same amount of money, but just because that person wants something that they can't pay for right now, that makes them not financially free. 
So, you know, you can be financially free with, you know, almost any dollar amount. I think that can help a lot of people because a lot of people, a lot of people think that they have to make a ton of money. No, you have to want less things. Now, if you do want more things, you do have to make more money. So you go, you go do what you got to do to be able to do the things you want to do. See, that gives range for all the different types of people out there. There are some personalities that are like, man, if I can't live it up, YOLO, all this kind of stuff. If I can't do this, then it ain't, it ain't living. All right, cool. Go build your business and become financially free. Get to a point where you don't have to negotiate with your future self. Now, for some people, yo, I don't need to, I don't need, I don't need YOLO. I don't need none of that. You know, I just need a nice passive Passive income of 50 grand a month where I don't have to work. I don't want to go buy a house. I want, I'm, I'm okay with renting. I'm okay with renting. I can pay for everything I need and I can buy everything I want. You know, I give my charity, you know, $1,000 a month. Maybe not $1,000 a month because if you're living on 50 grand, that's a lot of money. But, you know, I give my charity what I want to give, which is $500 a month, you know. So I'm doing for others too and I can. And I don't have any debt. I'm never going to go in debt again. Those two people, one has less money than the other. The first one with the low, the lower amount is financially free. So the key thing is you do not, if you don't have to negotiate with your future self, you can buy all the things you need and want. You are financially free. You are free. That is freedom. That's freedom, okay? So what does it take for you to get to that point? And then when you get to that point, all you got to do is like, you know what? Let me change my wants. I'm not going to go out there and build a bigger business. I just need to change my wants. Do that, okay? So, so I, I like that definition, that, that, that definition because you can, you can shift around you can shift you can shift around yourself. You shift around yourself, not the definition. The definition doesn't change. You change. Okay? You change. So, um I, I like that. You know, financial independence, I think that's something that, you know, we should all as, aspire to, you know, prior to financial freedom. I mean, listen, it's okay to go through these phases. Like you don't have to like you have these goals to become so financially free. And that's where a lot of people get, get, uh, they get, they get stopped on the entrepreneurial journey, including myself at some point. It's like, well, yeah, what's your finance? What is, what, is it, what do they call it? The financial, the FI number? What is your, what is your financial independence number? It was $2 million. And man, forget all that. You know what I'm saying? Like, okay, cool. You know, that's cool. Okay. My focus is building my business controlling my wants okay controlling my wants and if i don't want to control them i'm going to work even harder so i can pay for the things i want you know so you know my financial freedom number or my financial my financial independence number it's going to be based on 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 you not oh i have to have a million dollars in the bank i have to have it's not a, it's not a dollar amount it's you it's what you want. Your needs are your needs. 
right? You got to be able to cover that. You got to be able to cover insurance. You got to be able to cover food. You got to be able to cover, like, insurance is a big, a big ticket, you know, with all the different kinds of insurances. You got to be able to cover, you know, a family. You got to be able to cover all that kind of stuff, sure. But then when you get to the wants, that's when people get in trouble. Well, what do you want? You start writing that stuff down. You start realizing your financial freedom number is very attainable. And then you start going into action. So um, that's my definition. You know, that's my definition. Being able to pay for what you need and want for yourself and others without negotiating with your future self. That's that. So, so, um, so now that we got all that out the way, let's get into the, the path, the path of using the multi-channel strategy to become financially free, okay? To become financially free or financially independent. Financially, financially independent is, is just where you're not worrying anymore. You know, you're not worried about your finances, that's my definition. That's how I, that's how I define it. It's just, you're just not worried about your finances. Like you, you're making up enough money. You're you're you you have a you know a controlled budget, and you know you pay your bills on time. You got money. You, you got money coming in. You got plans to make more money to make sure it's coming in. And you you you're doing what you got to do to be a financially sound person. And you don't have to worry about money. You're not worried about losing your job because you probably don't have a job because you're self-employed more than likely. You're not worried about if you, you know, if you do have a job, you're not worried because you have a nice, nice, uh, uh, when I say nice, I mean a really nice savings, you know, a year or two, <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Um, you know, to give, get, give, give yourself some time to get on your feet, you know, with another job, like you're not worried about money. So, so, um, here's the path that I, that I'm laying out and you know what? It's not. It's not a fixed path. It's not a path that everybody's going to take. It's, it's just the one that I see, okay, when it comes to using the multi-channel strategy. So how to use this strategy to get you to financial independence or financial freedom, okay? So the way I look at it, and this is, this is I'm using my experience as well. The way I look at it is the very beginning, you're, you are you may be casting a wide net. So if you're unfamiliar with what sales or you know what niches are you know you're, you're interested in, you're gonna be playing a lot with a lot of niches. Okay, you're gonna be playing a lot to find one that that gravitates to you. Okay, or to find one that works. It doesn't have, it doesn't necessarily have to gravitate towards you. It just it just has to work. Okay, once you discover a niche that's working and working means sales. Okay. You discover a niche. Um, and like I said, it, 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 it may come with trial and error. If you're totally green, like I was, it may come that way. Right. And then once you find some sales and you start, you know, establishing yourself in a particular niche, niche or niches. Now, I, I like the idea of anywhere between one and three niches, you know, to narrow things down in. And then later on, keep on narrowing to, you know, to, to maybe one or two niches. 
but um, I'm in two niches. Okay. Then you become an expert. Become an expert. Study the niche. See that the thing, the beauty, the beauty of 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 this is, you don't really have to know too much about the niche to make a sale. All right, you don't need to know. You need to know how to get that product. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? You need to know how to get the product. You need to list that product and put yourself in position where, you know, the platform uh, favors you to put your listing in front of people and make a sale. That's what you got to do. You don't, you don't have to know about the niche. You need to work your way through the platform. Okay. As time goes on, pay attention. Pay attention to the questions customers or potential customers are asking. Pay attention to your reviews. Pay attention. That's going to allow you to become more of an expert. Okay. And like I, in, in me personally, I, I do two niches, but you know, I, I don't recommend any more than that. After you find two niches that are working, um, if if one niche is working very 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 well, stick to that. I wouldn't do that. I wouldn't um, go outside of that. But I had I, me personally, I had two niches working at the same time for me. You know, I had a season a seasonal niche, so I didn't have to put a lot of energy into it all year. So that's why it worked well for me. And then I have my main niche that I my main niche that I focus on during the um, all year. Now we're still in step two. Step one is getting the products, find, uh, you know, uh, casting a wide net, wide net, trying different things, trial and error in different niches. Second is become an expert in the niche. And while you're becoming an expert, maximize your income here. Maximize your income possibly by further niching. Okay. Now, this may not happen right away, okay? So you may be able to get some type of insight very early on where you're able to further niche. But if not, it's fine. Move on to move on to the, the, uh, the, the third step, rather. The third step is save your money, you know, okay? Save your money. You can do that th- the whole way through. But save, save, save. In real estate, it's location, 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 as they say. In business, listen, we are we are coming from a weird time right now. You know, COVID was almost three years ago. The COVID uh, lockdowns, all that kind of stuff was three years ago. This is not a message that was being preached prior to that, okay? Save, save, save. It doesn't matter what's going on. It doesn't matter what NFTs are coming out. It doesn't matter what crypto is happening. It doesn't matter what stocks with Tesla or whoever. It doesn't matter. Just put the money away. Inflation, none of that matters. It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. Your inflation is eroding your savings and all that kind of stuff. Nope. Save, save, save. Focus on saving. You don't know enough about it, about investments right now to start deploying money to investments, but you will, you will have to eventually. 
Okay. Step four, systematize the business. See, by this time, and you know, this could happen within two years, three years, five years, six months. There's no time frame on any of this. But you're going to go through these steps, though, at some point in time. Systematize the business. Start writing things down, writing things how, how you're doing things. You know, the, the activities that you're doing more frequently than others, start there. What activities are you doing the most? Start there. Start systematizing those those uh, tasks, right? Hire a VA to help you out after you after you wrote down the 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 standard operating procedures as I call them SOPs or knowledge base, you know KB, right? So SOPs start getting those so you can work less, so you can work less in your business. Okay. Now, if you haven't, if you haven't further niched, we're going back to step two. See, step two is becoming an expert in one in one to two niches. In this, in step two, you may be find you may find an opportunity to further niche, okay? But if you don't, just keep moving through the, through the steps. So after you systematize your business, you freed up your time, okay? Because you may hire a virtual virtual assistant to do the most common tasks. Maybe do some, the bookkeeping, maybe doing the listings, maybe doing whatever, okay? Like I, I, I have, um, I don't know, I have like maybe 13 or maybe 12 or 13 uh, SOPs. My VA does all of them. Okay, I have some accounting SOPs. I have, I have mostly I have accounting SOPs and listing SOPs because I'm constantly um, adding new listings. Not constantly, but I do that very frequently. But my bookkeeping and my um, uh, listing creation, and because I sell on four platforms, I have all these different, you know, SOPs for all these different platforms. Now, that frees me up to start thinking about how to further niche, okay? So I can pay attention more to my data, pay attention more to my customers, their comments and their their uh, their feedback and all that. I can pay attention more. And I've been saving my money. So because I've been saving my money, there may be an opportunity where I have to buy you know, I have to spend some money with a manufacturer or spend some money with a distributor to maybe um, uh, uh, customize some products for me because now I understand my market a whole lot better. My customers are asking for certain products. My customers are asking for certain features in my products. My, you know, so you had enough time to become an expert and to get feedback and you actually have some money saved over. Okay, that's why we're going back to step two, to so we, to find opportunities to further niche. What products have been doing well? How can we make those products do even better? Okay. When you do that, 
after that, step five, start paying attention to some investment classes. Okay, start paying attention. What interests you? Is it the S&P 500? Is it stocks? Is it dividend paying stocks? Is it real estate? Is it apartments? Is it single family houses? Is it a vending, mach- a vending machine? Is, is it, what is it? Okay. You, you start, start getting into some investment opportunities. Now, don't make this complicated. This is not complicated. You may just want to be invested into the S&P 500. You know, on average, they say, on average, depending on what years you're looking at, what time span you're looking at, and all that kind of good stuff, on average, you get a 10% return. You know, you get a 10% return. That may be good enough for you. But I would, I would caution you to make sure you think of it this way. You have to, what, what helps me is, think, is thinking about it this way. Your business, you take, you take a lot of risk in your business, right? You know, you're borrowing money, you're, you're, you know, you're doing things that you don't know will work. There's no guarantee of what you're doing. So it's very risky. What you're doing is very risky. You can lose all of your investment and never get it back. You're taking a lot of risk in your business. Your investments need to be low risk. You're taking high risk money and putting it in low risk investments. You, you, I, I hope you really get that. There's no need. This is a hard lesson I had to learn. I lost my shirt many times trying to invest in high risk investments with my high risk. <laughs> uh, my high risk, and you know, I, 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 my business is high risk already, and I'm making money at it, and I'm, I'm doing something with it. So now I'm getting ready to lose it. In a high risk investment, no. So now, now I understand. You know, I I understand now. You know, there's assets like you know bonds and stuff like that that pay you know one, two, three percent. I get it now. Why, why people buy those things? They're very wealthy people who buy them because it's not about it's not about creating wealth with them. You know, it's about maintaining what they have. If you have a billion dollars, if you have a billion dollars, it doesn't make sense to, you know, spend your money on high risk investments. It doesn't. You're going to put your money in safe places where it will grow. But it's not going to grow as much because the risks are very low. Okay, There's usually an inverse relationship between risk and reward. Okay. The higher the, the 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 lower the risk. Excuse me. Not, not it's not inverse. Excuse me. So the lower the risk, the lower the reward. So the lower the um the interest, 
or the lower the return, rather, excuse me, not interest, then the higher risk opportunities like, like our businesses, those are high risk opportunities. We need to expect to make a lot of money. This is, this, is, now this, this, this is a whole conversation because this goes into the idea of not pricing your products too low if you don't have to. Um, sometimes you don't have a choice because of competitors and stuff, competitors and things like that. But if you got to try to move out of low priced stuff and low profits because you're taking a lot of risk. And because you're taking a lot of risk, you need to be well compensated for that risk and then put that money into low risk investments. Low risk investments. Now, low risk is relative. It's relative to the individual because you may have a, a, a you may have a lower tolerance than me. Now, I don't I don't my tolerance isn't like my tolerance my tolerance is a little bit higher for risk, but I shifted my thinking to oh it's a little bit it's a little bit higher on the low risk scale. So if low risk is anywhere between, you know, zero and 4%, I want to try to get 4%. I don't want to get 2% or a 2% return. I'm a little bit more, you know, I'm not that risk averse. I want to be high risk in a low risk environment. If, if you, if you, if you, if you catch my drift there. Okay. So, um, I would say become, yeah, like I said, step five, become well, become interested or start trying to find what asset classes you like. And then, you know, you're still going through step one through four, still doing that. And then when the opportunity arises, arises where you're knowledgeable about investments. Now this, all of this is stuff that I'm doing. Okay. Okay. So when you're knowledgeable about investments or you're, you're not, you know, you want to put some money somewhere into a certain investment to try it out, you got the capital to do it. You have the knowledge to do it. You have the ability to do it. And it's not going to, and it should not take away from your business. So there, there are some nuances to some of this stuff like, what vehicles to put your money in, you know, in the meantime, we got, you know, we got Roth IRAs, you got traditional IRAs, you got, you know, savings accounts, you got SEP accounts, all this kind of stuff, which, um, you know, I can, I don't want, you know, we're not going to get into today, but if you, if any of you are interested in, in, you know, hearing more about that, I would like, I would like to talk about that more. So if you're interested in, in hearing more about that, hit me up at multichannelpodcast at gmail.com. Multichannelpodcast at gmail.com. Because I spent a lot of time uh, recently researching all these different types of investment accounts. Um, because I'm, I'm very interested in this, 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 this idea of building up you know, assets while I'm working my business. So I have a, a plan to retire you know i don't i'm not going to retire i don't plan on retiring but i have a plan to retire retire and retire doesn't necessarily mean stop working you might not want to do this business anymore you might want to do a different business you know um but 
I think there's a lot of entrepreneurs and, and myself included at, at one point, we don't think about investments enough. A lot of entrepreneurs are bad investors. So that's why I, I'm going to be bringing a lot of investing into the conversations that we're going to be having. Because it's very important. It's very important. Because listen, at the end of the day, we can't rely. We can't rely on retiring off of Amazon money, retiring off of eBay money or whatever money. I think it's foolish to believe that you're going to be selling on Amazon for the next 20 years. You're going to be selling on Poshmark, eBay, and Etsy and all this stuff for the next 30 years. Like, that's silly, right? So we know that's silly when we say it out loud. And I'm saying it out loud to you so you can say it out loud to yourself. And hopefully that that brings you down to reality and make you start thinking like, okay, this makes sense. Okay, I don't have to start making investments right now if I don't have any but I need to start paying attention to what's out there and what what gravitates towards me and how that fits into my long-term goals. That's all I got for you guys. Appreciate, appreciate you guys for tuning in. And until next time, thank you. Peace.